Hello, and welcome to Two Hearts, a new Who podcast. I'm Callum. And I'm James, and this is the only podcast that is phoning it in this week because we all deserve some time off. And every week here on Two Hearts, we take a look at another episode from the Doctor Who revival. And this week we are taking a look at the Sontarum Stratagem and the Poison Sky. But before that, just a quick reminder, as always, that if you've ever felt like you want to join in on the show, you can. Email us at twoheartspodcast at gmail.com. That's two, the word two. And you can have your thoughts and feelings aired on the show. Uh, Or you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at twoheartspod, the number two. Before we get to this week's two-parter, though, we have some pretty colossal Doctor Who news to discuss. We do, and we, we, for reasons best known to us, avoided talking about it on our social media. Um, really didn't make much of a fuss about it. And I think, I don't I can't speak for you, James, but for me, I was completely caught blindsided by this very breaking news that Chris Chibnall and Jodie Whittaker are leaving Doctor Who in 2022. Um, and I guess the reason I was blindsided was twofold. One, I didn't realise they would leave together, but also two, it just, the timing of it seemed Mm -hmm. odd. It's very odd, isn't it? Like, listeners, if you look at the release order for our episodes, like, not the last episode, but just the one before it, they did the Comic-Con panel, you know, we did a whole reaction to it, talking about new companion, new show structure, new trailer, and it was like, oh, yeah, okay, let's let's try to build up a little bit of hype for this. And, you know, we said at the time when we were sort of talking about that show that it felt um, a little flat at times, um, and... It's interesting now, though, that we've emerged, you know, a couple of weeks later and it's just, oh, no, actually, don't worry about it. We're, we're leaving and we're both leaving. Um, it's just, it's a very odd experience because we've made no secret here that we're not particularly thrilled with Chibnall's time with the show uh, and that we think Jodie deserved a better showrunner. Um, and I've seen a lot of that sentiment expressed on Twitter as well, that like the idea that she is also leaving at the same time as him is the truly heartbreaking thing here. Yeah, and it's funny because I never actually expected to see Jodie rewritten by, uh, or I'd see her under any other showrunner, because it's usually more common that the person running the show stays for a significant amount of time, and they go through at least two Doctors in their their time. I say it's common, it's just been the norm for this new iteration of the show, and it was far more common for someone like Tom Baker, you know, who went through three different producers. So it's not exactly a tradition in that sense. Um, but, but it's just it's just frustrating because, like, I think the main thing that we've been seeing is that, like, this constant repetition of, like, ah, oh, she has so much potential, but we never saw it. And it's kind of going to now be the thing of, like, we'll never now know what it could have been like. And we'll never... This is the other heartbreaking thing that I was thinking about the other day, was, like, we'll never know what it's like to have the first female Doctor and have that be an opportunity that was good. There's probably a better way for me to phrase <laughs> um, that. 
No, I, I know. It, it's an intru- it, it's a delicate one to talk about, let's say, because, um, you know, with, with a lot of Jodie Whittaker's era, it has been incredibly difficult to criticise it and not sort of come across as if you are um, even tacitly or, or subconsciously endorsing this idea that, like, oh, the show's bad now because it's a woman, which is just, like, categorically false. Like, that's not the issue here and it never has been. And to, to have such a progressive and interesting turn for the show be helmed by a writer like Chibnall, who definitely, you know, he has his strengths. I'm, I'm mm. not saying that he doesn't, um, but I, he's not the writer for this and he wasn't the, the correct writer for this choice. Um, and it, like you said, it just, it leaves a strange taste now because this was, like this, this was the opportunity. Like, well, rather this wasn't the opportunity because I think there'll definitely be a, a, another uh, woman in the role. For sure. I don't know if they'll do it next. Uh, that's a whole other topic we can broach in a minute. But um, just the the chance for that first, like, out of the gate, like, hey, Doctor Who is finally growing up, and for the the sort of the man behind the 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 you know the curtain to not be the mature uh, sort of grown up voice that it needed for that step. Um, it just really sucks. And it like, that's kind of just where I, I land on this era now that it's closing out. It's mm. like, Oh, that certainly happened. I think I remember reading. Oh God. I, I, I should really start taking notes about like where I'm reading this stuff, but it was an article and it was from a very unlikely source, like a nine news or like some <laughs> stupid thing like that. And it was about um, summing up this era <clears throat> basically and they made a very salient point of being like you know chris chibnall refuses to engage with the possi- the storytelling possibilities of having a woman in charge for the first time mm. and in trying to go in the opposite direction of you know we're not we're not going to draw attention to it because we're not going to make it a big thing because like it isn't a big thing it shouldn't be a big thing that a woman is, is this, the doctor, this character is a woman for the first time. Yeah. In the real world, in the show though, it, it, it is monumental and it is a big change for this character and it should have been explored in all of the possibilities that it could have been explored in. Um, yeah. I completely agree. It's a very like kind of uh, like liberal take on it. It's like it's like oh we're post gender now. It's like no no you're not like that's not the world in which you're writing this character. And like I, I think as we've established with all of these kind of like uh, all female reboots of things, like it's not enough to just be like oh but they're women now and that's no. that's the change that we're making and we're not really changing anything beyond that because like you can't change a character like that and not change something about that character um it well, just feels it, it feels very hollow absolutely it does feel hollow and i think the audience knows this this is the one thing that i've always kept saying is like this audience is not as stupid or like as docile as you think they they are and they do know when you're yeah. just trying to bullshit them or you're trying to do like what you say with the, like as like a um it's just an all-female like reboot of the show which it isn't and it can't be because there is no one definitive there is the show doesn't get rebooted it just keeps coming back as the same thing mm. um this is the same show and it, it uh, my thought has disappeared 
No, I get it. It's like it's just it's just a long kind of sigh is is where we're <laughs> ending this this era, unfortunately. Um, and look, when the, when the new season comes on next year, we'll review it alongside uh, everything else that we're going to be talking about, like as we follow our own trajectory through Doctor Who's history. Mm. Um, like I, I think to be actively present for that last season is going to be a really interesting time, not just um, in fandom, but just just to see how Chibnall wraps this up. And we said this in our um, panel discussion, just the idea that there's so much now that they need to address in this last, se- what is now the last season, <laughs> um, that it's it's just, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be interesting. On, on that note, though, do you think that, because um, we're heading into the 60th anniversary of the show, that can't be right. Yeah, no, yeah. No, it's the 60th? Okay, yeah. So do you think all cynicism implied here do you think that they will revert back to having a man in the role for the 60th anniversary i don't think it's going to be like it's been before i think we'll definitely have another man behind the scenes and that sucks um yeah but i think in terms of in front of the camera we'll probably have a a male actor who is also a person of color Okay, yeah, uh, I could see that. Uh, I would love that. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's, again, it's another step in in the right direction for this character, in not limiting them to, like, one type, one age, one face kind of thing. But mm-hmm. just, yeah. oh, I just hope they learn the mistakes of that Chris Chibnall committed, and I hope that they <laughs> realise that the door that they're opening up shouldn't be tokenistic, and it shouldn't be just a box to be ticked it should be meaningful and it should inform the stories you're going to tell yeah that's i i I just i feel like i'm banging my head against a wall sometimes with this (laughs) kind of stuff but then also someone was oh my god somebody described this all i was written in a book somewhere anyway i read it and it was like i think it was probably twitter um and someone was like (laughs) oh i I feel like i keep banging my head against a wall and then they the person they were talking to responded and said oh well sometimes walls are there for you to lean on and <laughs> maybe we just need a rest. Um, we just need to rest, you know? Maybe we do. And look, I, as with every other season of the the show, like I am going in with a completely open heart into like her last run here. Um, I'm excited to see what Jodie's going to bring to the role, knowing that it's, it's wrapping up, you know, maybe mm. there's going to be some, some pathos there. Um, it, look, it's, look, it could still be good. They could still make this good. Um, I, I just worry that they won't. And also, I think that it would be wrong to say the BBC aren't still behind this show because, like, it's they've given it a six-episode... Oh, that was the other thing about this announcement, was they announced that actually the upcoming series is only six episodes and then there are two episodes held over for 2022. But they've also ordered a third episode to actually round out her time on the show. Um, and it's during something like the... There's some special 100 years, maybe, centenary thing in 2022. Okay. Um, so, like, it, Doctor Who is, like, forms part of their, like, 100-year celebration. It's a big part of that celebration. They're not mm, yeah. discounting its significance, shall we say. And I don't think it's a cause to be like, oh, well, the show's... They're going to quietly, you know, 
shuffle it along once this is over. I don't think that's the case at all. Oh, yeah. No, I, I don't think it is either. Um, I, I do imagine, though, that it will probably have a period of... Um, retreat before it comes back mm. again um and, and look like we said take that time to really think on what you want to do next and what you want to say next and more importantly who's going to be saying it um I, I really think we need some fresh blood in that um that showrunner uh, sort of position so fingers crossed um we will get um something <laughs> let's <laughs> say i think we'll get something i think we'll get something good i have i still can't help but remain hopeful because I'm a Doctor Who fan, you know? Oh, look, I completely get it. Uh, I'm the same way with Star Wars. Like, no matter how many times it disappoints me, there's always that part of me that's like, yeah, but the next one could be amazing. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you, you live in hope. You live in hope. Um, was there any other Doctor Who news that you wanted to cover before we talk about this uh, two-part? Um, no, I don't think so. I think I think now's the time where we talk about this week's episode. Oh, I suppose it is. Listen, please don't uh, misunderstand. It has just been a... It's been a long fortnight. Uh, this this two-parter well, is not particularly exciting. James, um, <laughs> we didn't actually check in with one another, and you've had some pretty big developments. That's true. Yeah, look, I've, I've started school. Uh, I, I, am, I am now uh, a, a student once more. Uh, we're doing a diploma of marketing and communications, and it has been... Um, taxing on my time let's say uh in, in a good way I'm, I'm very much enjoying it I'm, I'm glad to be back studying and whatnot but it, it certainly has mean it, it means that you know free time that I do have is is very limited and I'm usually sleeping uh and so when Callum reminded me that we needed to actually talk about this two-parter there was this poor part of my brain that's like wait didn't we already do that or can't we already <laughs> just pretend we've done it no unfortunately we do need to talk about it and uh, I'm right there with you in that boat um to the point where we haven't even made any notes, you know, about the things no. we want to talk about. I know what I want to talk about, though. Well, great. Let's get down to it. Uh, let's take a look at <laughs> the Centaurum Stratagem and the Poison Sky. Doctor, it's Martha. And I'm bringing you back to Earth. Yesterday, 52 people died in identical circumstances right across the world in 11 different time zones. And you think Atmos is alien? It's our job to investigate that possibility. Who are you? I am General Starr of the 10th Zontana Battlefield. We have an intruder! Operation Blue Sky is go, go, go. Is that what you did to me? Turned her into a soldier? What? Zontara! Scare into the face of death! Tauren Stratagem and The Poison Sky are episodes four and five respectively of season four of the Doctor Who revival. They are directed by Douglas McKinnon and written by uh, returning writer Helen Rayner. Now the plot this week uh, focuses on Donna and the Doctor. They are finally coming back to Earth after Donna has had her sort of requisite three episode alien sort of expedition. Mm -hmm. uh, so now they've returned to Earth because um, Martha Jones has finally called the Doctor. You know, she said... I'm going to call you one day and you better come running. So they come running. Uh, there is a, a brief um, reintroduction to Martha Jones. She is now a, uh, she is fully a doctor now. Um, she's been fast tracked by unit who is she now works for as a, I guess like a military doctor. Um, she has called the doctor back to earth because they are currently investigating a uh, sort of like a high tech, uh, very uh, Facebook esque sized company um, that has installed uh, these little devices 
into everyone's car that converts the uh, CO2 into oxygen or, or some such sciencey thing. Um, <laughs> but they also sp- suspect that these things are being, I guess, built by nefarious means slash potentially killing people. Um, we see in the beginning a journalist tries to expose the uh, the machinations of the company and she gets murdered by her car in the process. Um, so they storm this factory and they find out that underneath the factory there is in fact um, a Sontaran... No, it's not underneath the factory. The Sontarans are actually floating in the sky. They're in, they're in the alien ships small thing um but they're growing fake humans to make these things all over the world with the eventual plan that they will turn them on and instead of causing less pollution they will actually cause a lot of pollution and the titular poison sky of part two uh in the process martha gets replaced by a doppelganger um although that never really comes to anything uh the Sontarans turn on their big plan the sky turns into poison there's a whole lot of running around and shooting it's very like action-packed doctor who you know the stuff um eventually the doctor finds a way to burn the cloud up and then everything's fine um yeah couldn't have put it better myself (laughs) oh and the tardis kidnaps martha at the end um and she's now on the journey for the next episode another one that we we'll get to um so the Sontaran stratagem and the poison sky uh Callum how do you feel about uh this two fuck I mean <laughs> we have done nothing to set you up listener for like a good experience here but I'm gonna claw us back from the jaws of oblivion and say that for all that I just I feel like there isn't a whole heap to talk about with this episode it's not massively offending. It's not bad. It's just... It's just so boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, <sighs> and I think, like, you know, I, I'm just... I was thinking the other day about, like, just, like, the timescale of this episode. And I feel like it takes place over, like, an hour, maybe two hours. Like, I don't think we see the sunset. So... No. It's... 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 it's yeah, it's just a very... Po- I was about to say it's a very poorly thought out episode, but I don't even think it's poorly thought out. I just think it's so by the numbers and so, like, unimaginative that watching it, I, I blissed out completely because I was watching yeah. Doctor Who and I was watching Donna Noble and characters that I like, but nothing of it hit me, nothing of it emotionally affected me. And I think that that isn't just me, like, copping out. That's an effect that that episode had on me watching it. And on my subsequent revisitations of it. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I do. I, I completely understand where you're coming from. Because it's like, I, I watched this twice. And both times, I I just kind of found myself reaching for my phone, like, almost immediately. It's it's not a particularly arresting a uh, bit of cinematography. I, I think that, um, you know, I was very high on uh, Raina's work for the Dalek 2 part of that she did for season three. I thought that was exceptional Doctor Who. Um, and then this kind of comes along and a very similar setup. You know, you've got a set on Earth, a returning classic alien race, but this time, you know, all things are a bit different. Uh, there's a... We'll talk about the Sontarans. Um, hmm. But it just... It just doesn't hit 
Right. Uh, it, it just, it, it misses the mark in such a way that it's not a complete misfire. It's also just, it, it's not a score either. It's just like, oh, this is a two-parter. It's, um, it's, it, it's just, it's serviceable TV. It's two hours of like, tick a box. Here's your two hours of entertainment. Public. Uh, you know, go off and enjoy your lives kind of thing. It, uh, and which isn't to say that every episode needs to be this like, wow, spectacular, amazing thing. Cause there are downsides to that too. And I think like Moffat's, some of Moffat's episodes try and attain that and then fail as a result because it can't be like that. And so there is something admirable about a Doctor Who story that knows its audience, that knows it's like, it, that it, it has peaks and troughs and that, you know, sometimes you just need to tune into it like an action adventure and that's fine. But then it doesn't make for any stimulating kind of thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly right. Like if you were to go and watch this two-parter, like you'd probably have like a, a fine time, but to sit here and talk about it, um, it's kind of, it's, it's not quite pulling teeth, but we're, 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 we're almost there. There's a couple of different factors that we can sort of approach this from. Mm. Um, I think, you know, headlining one, Martha Jones is back. Uh, mm. It's a, it's an interesting reintroduction to this character because um, there is a lot going on here that you and I specifically sort of wanted from hmm. Martha Jones in the first place. Like she's got a lot of agency in the story. Um, she's not at all established as the romantic interest for him this time, thankfully. Um, but on the flip side of that, uh, she's also, this is the beginning of like the Martha Jones soldier arc. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't, I don't see it. I, I feel like it's it's a it's a strange choice on uh, Davies's part, sort of as as the overarching sort of controller of, of where Martha goes here, um, especially later in the season. Um, it, I don't know. Putting her in the military to me just feels antithetical to what was so great about Martha in the first place. And as we see in the next episode, I think they really don't do a good job of explaining why she should be in the military, not just a, just a normal doctor, but I guess the unit stuff has to come in somehow. And there is a, like a, a, a very pronounced, and I'm, I can't remember if this actually like will become a commented upon thing, but there is a very pronounced like uh, hypocrisy to the doctors. Like, being anti-gun, anti-military, um, anti all that stuff, won't salute, like, throw keeps pulling guns mm. away from people. And yet he's the one who recommended Martha for this job. And Martha needs to remind him of that. She also needs to, like, actually then justify the action that he took for him when he's criticising her about it. And it's just, like, there's something there. But yeah. Moffat, not Moffat, yeah. but Davies gets in the way of himself and, like, this constant battle between, like, wanting to the Doctor to be, like, perfect and also, like, wanting to criticise them. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, on the flip side, though, uh, with Martha, there's some really fantastic scenes between her and Donna. Um, and again, Helen Rayner shows her strength here about, you know, when you let a woman write a conversation between two women, mm. it's going to probably sound <gasps> oh. halfway decent. Um, uh, I think you are a particularly big fan of this uh, exchange. Is that right? Um, I am a big fan of it, but just as a, a sort of a... Um, the beginning of that conversation, I am a, I'm a huge fan of the doctor having two female companions. <laughs> and I think it's something that like, I remember 
uh, I keep wanting to say Moffat, that Davies uh, commented on with, like, when he paired Martha and Tish together for that, like, the second half of the Lazarus experiment last season, where mm. he was talking about that, and he was like, oh, we might see more of that coming up. I really enjoy the dynamic of having those two characters and the Doctor together, basically of having a second companion. And that's what we sort of get here with Martha. I think that having the two of them together would have been an amazing conceit. Uh, Unfortunately, Martha and Donna are pretty much kept separated for the entirety of the episodes and the one following this as well. And so it's not really... it's true, isn't it? It's not, yeah. It's not really any... It doesn't really serve any purpose to bring Martha back to put against Donna, except for this one scene that I think you're referring to. Yeah, so they have this, um, I don't know, shit's going down with the, uh, the, the fake people in the, the car factory something. Um, <laughs> sorry, I don't mean to sound dismissive, it's just, it, I don't know, it, it's an action plot, it, you don't really need to know the specifics. Um, and, uh, Donna is about to, I don't know, go off and put herself in some perilous situation, and Martha just stops her for, like, this quick moment in a hallway, and she's like, hey, like, do your family know where you are? And Donna's like, oh, but not really, why? Um, and Martha has that, a really great moment that sort of feels like a natural extension of her arc in, in season three, which is her being like, yo, I didn't really tell my family what I was doing with the doctor and yeah I had a really great time with him it was very exciting but as a result and because of the way I neglected to inform my family about my choices um, they got put in a lot of danger Um, and it feels like a very real moment from Martha Um, and it feels like a bit of that pathos that we were denied at the end of season three with her well that I felt like I was denied anyway Um, and so to see that exchange I I thought was was really exciting and obviously it's a great opportunity for Donna to bounce off of Martha which as you said is such a nice thing but it's just it's not a thing for the rest of the episode it does it's not a thing beyond this scene Um, and I find that really really frustrating because like this could have been like Russell's version of, like, School Reunion, where he brought back Sarah Jane mm. to make a commentary yep. on the companion role and and then how the companion sees themselves in the ongoing history of the Doctor's life. Yeah, because, like, Donna doesn't... Uh, she doesn't compare herself to other companions. She... And the do- relationship she has with the Doctor is entirely their own thing, and she doesn't feel threatened by other people. And I think that's one of the, the good things about, like the start of there like that that the episode where the doctor's like oh don't fight can't stand fighting and then mm, donna's like yeah. why do you think we're gonna fight um <laughs> which is funny and also like a commentary on like some of the past sins that you know school union was criticized for shall we say um yeah exactly like in the what couple of short years that we've had in between those two things that like davies has grown a little bit more self-aware on that front maybe yes i think so absolutely um, but it's, it's, yeah, it's not even a wasted opportunity. It's like an opportunity that I don't think needed to happen necessarily. And that's, you know, I'm, I, I love Martha a lot, but well, how do you, th- how do you feel about the way that like her and the doctor's com- relationship in this episode? Well, it's just, I mean, you also can't avoid the fact that, like, Martha gets replaced with a clone halfway through. Yes. Um, And so we don't really get that much actual Martha, um, which is really frustrating uh, if you wanted to see Martha come back. And I think to your point, like, it's 
it's not wrong to want to see Martha come back, but at the same time, she's handled in such a way here that feels to me very, I mean, it's, it's like a Marvel cameo. It's like, Mm. oh, we need her here in this moment to introduce, bring back unit back properly, you know, have it be established that she's a member, a high ranking member of unit. So that by the time we get to, you know, his huge finale for season four, he's got all those pieces on the board. Mm. Um, and in that process, I think you lose a bit of, uh, Martha in making her a soldier. And I mm. think then a doubly again, you lose a chance to, you know, apologize is too strong a word. I understand that my feelings on Martha aren't everybody's feelings on Martha. Um, but I think that if you took this chance, especially because it's across three episodes, like you've got the two-parter here and then the next episode has Martha in it as well. And yet, despite that, I don't feel like I really gained anything about Martha from these three episodes. And that's a lot of time to not learn anything about the character again, you know? It is. It is. Um, because... Yeah, gosh, you you put it in such a good way. Like, it's not just that she's for this story and then we never see her again. She's here and then she's here again and then she's here for the finale. And you're right. It is is just a pure gimmick of the marketing sense of like, hey, Martha's back. Not, hey, Martha's back and here's why and here's the story that revolves around her. Yeah. You know, and we will get another yep. returning companion, a lot of returning companions, actually, but one in particular returning companion this season. And they do too much to revolve the story around her at the expense of the actual fucking <laughs> companion. But I digress. That's not what this story is about. Oh, boy. Um, How do you feel about uh, Donna in this episode? Um, <laughs> Good about the stuff that we do get. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of it, um, but the stuff that's there, I think, is is pretty solid. Uh, she gets in a really amazing scene where she gets to return home, you know, after she talks to Martha. Um, she's like, hey, yeah, I should probably go and see my dad or my, my granddad. Um, and so she goes back to her, her home street. And as she's walking up, it, you know, I think it's only been like what a day or two that she's actually been gone from her, her life. And so, you know, there's like the, the busybody neighbor walking down the street like, oh, I haven't seen you for a couple of days and she's watching kids play and she's kind of like just like you know engulfed back into the normalcy of suburban London life um and in that moment she gets this sort of like overwhelming uh callbacks uh, I mean and I could have done without them being actual visual callbacks on screen but I, I understand Doctor Who is sometimes written for the back of the room and I like the concept of the scene enough that I can move past it because she gets these flashbacks to all the horrific shit that she's seen with the Doctor and the <laughs> contrast that that is between this very normal life here and this grandiose yet tragic life that she's lived with him out amongst the stars and it culminates with her seeing Wilfred further up the street oh. and he starts crying and she starts crying and they sprint and he like she sprints towards him and it's just I just got goosebumps even like recounting that mm. it is such a beautiful coming home moment and it's just the complete opposite of how like Rose coming home or, or Martha were coming home was handled, you know? Oh, it's the most lovely, refreshing thing about this season is like her and Wilf. Like I know yeah. that they're still doing the, you know, don't tell your mom, she wouldn't understand blah, blah stuff. Like still the lies are a thing, but it's so nice to have a parent figure for a companion, be excited for them. And, and mm-hmm. just to have a, a, <laughs> I know that Donna's home life isn't perfect, but it's, it's wholesome, you know, and 
not to say that Jackie yeah. was, wasn't wholesome not, and, you know, we didn't really see much of Martha's family to even make a commentary on it. Um, but it just, it feels nice to have a, a companion's home life be supportive of her and not... Hmm. Do you know what I mean? No, I, I completely do. It, you're right. Refreshing is the right word for it. Um, and... You know, <laughs> I obviously have reservations about where they take some of these characters at the end of the season. But for right now, um, it's it's really, really quite a good dynamic. Um, beyond that, I I don't know. I kind of struggle to remember what Donna does in this episode. Um, she gets taken up to the mm. Sontaran ship at some point, and uh, the Doctor sort of telephones and sort of walks her through how to disable a Sontaran using the little like plug hole that they've got on the back of their necks um and that's all fine like it's it's cute it's nice donna does a uh, i mean not donna uh, Catherine tate you know again does a very uh, good job at sort of uh being donna's like ooh, kind of quirky dopey <laughs> self while in danger like all of that's very sweet and fun um but just like everything else in this episode it's like oh uh, yeah okay that was there exactly it it i think one of the biggest sins of this episode is just like how <laughs> just doesn't know how to write action well. And, yes. you know, there is something horrific about a companion. I think the, 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 one of the best bits about that whole sequence is like Donna saying like, well, I, I think she like opens the door and she says this is Sontara and as she closes it, she's like, I can't go out there. And, and Doctor's like, you have to. And she's like, he's going to kill me. And he's like, you know, I know, I know, I know. And it's like, Donna isn't a companion. I don't think that's going to necessarily jump into dangerous circumstances. She's not going to run into her head first without him by her side. And all of that's cool. It's just not written in any cool way. It's not acted in, not acted it's not directed in any particularly thrilling way the design of the Sontaran ship is genuinely off-putting like I just find it so weird um and I don't even remember what it looks like it just looks like an office building <laughs> like it's not alien in any respect and I think I have the biggest respect for this particular production era's way of doing alien ships because it is so uh, the, the attention to detail is so good, but this ship just is like, oh, what, what am I looking at here? It's so bland. <laughs> it's so fucking bland. Um, that's actually that brings up an interesting point about this entire episode, though, is that it's it's not a particularly pleasant one to look at. No, um, you know, d- direction aside, because I think the direction is is fine. There's a couple of like really good shots that we're going to talk about, um, but I, I just think Are that we? for the most part. Well, I mean, there's that shot. Okay, so uh, the the cliffhanger for oh, yeah. that you said that you particularly liked. Yeah, it is a good shot. It's at the, the end of episode of the first episode, and all the cars have gone off, and the gas is being let off into the atmosphere, and Wilf's choking in his car because he reasons, and and the Doctor's kind of just like stunned into an action, and there's this shot of like the fog with the sun coming down on him, and he's just like in the middle of a suburban street, just like. Just frozen and unable mm. to do anything. I think that's a good shot. But I, I, the only other point of like actual pleasing aesthetics for this episode, and you probably are going to disagree with me, is the Sontarans themselves. I actually really dig their design. 
they're redesigned, shall we say, for this episode. I can't stand looking at them. Um, I can't stand bold boys. <laughs> um, go watch I Think You Should Leave on Netflix. Um, I can't stand looking at them, but uh, I do acknowledge that they are very well designed. I think I, I texted you at one point and said, like, you can see the hairs on their face. It's foul, mm. but it's good design. The attention to detail is good. I really, really like how they took just, like, a standard... Blah, black armor suit thing that they had in the original series and they gave him a defined color and i think that's also the other thing i really like about this era of the show is like each of the returning villains has like a defined color like the daleks are gold mm. the cybermen are silver the you know the master wears a suit um and then you have the Sontarans who are blue they are the blue enemies and like it goes maybe i'm being quite simplistic but I think that there's something really satisfying to a villain that's all in one colour. This might uh, be a... No, I, I get it. No, colour coding is nice. It's it's just in the sense that, like, it makes more of a statement when you have a, a full one colour kind of army, shall we say. Um, yeah. And this is so like in my head and not really a thing in the real world, but I find it pleasing. Um, and just generally mm. like, I quite like the polished domes. I, I, the trollness of them doesn't come across well. I don't think they're written in any particularly interesting way. And that's definitely a point that we need to talk about. Um, but just the look of them is like, ah, you look real and that's cool. They they do look real in the same way that the uh, the Daleks and the Cybermen both have a very tactile presence in the show. Mm. The, these guys do as well. I I, I definitely I'll, I'll give you that. Um, yeah, the, the Sontarans. Um, let's okay. So here's the real meat of this two parter. Um, there is an attempt, is what it seems like, at a a kind of pseudo commentary on either masculinity or the military industrial complex war machine thing or both. Um, uh, Sorry. And it's very confusing. It is absolutely. And if I can offer just the smallest bit of context, like this, they would, the Sontarans are um, first written by, conceived by Robert Holmes in the seventies and definitely with the kind of imperialistic, soldier in mind like the defining scene for a Sontaran and I think the, not defining but the first season the first scene that a Sontaran was seen in they plant a flag uh, in the earth soil and they like declare earth as like part of the Sontaran empire like that's who they are they are warmongers they're colonizers right. but the fact that they also explicitly write them as being short I think is the way of Robert Holmes' sort of commentary on like little men syndromes shall we say um, and so that all feeds into this episode. Do you agree? Yeah, uh, I, I do. I do agree. Um, it's interesting though that you say that like the, the shortness was, uh, you know, it seems like a, a very deliberate choice on Holmes's part when writing them. Um, and then in this episode we get this, um, a little nugget of the writing I, I quite liked. I don't know if this was from classic who or not, but the idea that because they've got that like uh, breathing whole apparatus thing on the back of their neck, they are always forced to face their opponents. Mm. Um, is that from classic who? Or mm. is that no, I think it is definitely a part of their established law. 
Okay, that's really cool. Like that that's that's a really neat concept for uh, a race who is, you know, genetically predisposed to face death head on. Um, that's very cool. Uh, and I think that um, in the hands of, uh, rather in the context of a different story, I think you could do something quite emotionally resonant with that. Hmm. Um, this story instead sort of doubles down on that, that sort of little man thing that we, we were just talking about. Um, but instead adds a, um, hmm. uh, <laughs> I'm trying to find the right words to describe this. Basically, uh, the Sontarans are casually sexist, um, in a very strange way because, I it just feels like double dipping in the bucket of like uh things that you're trying to say about uh the way military breeds men or whatever it is that you you're trying to go for here. Um it it just feels very messy. I want to hear your thoughts more on this and it's not because I'm trying to dodge having a conversation with you but more so that I just I struggle to uh, like I think it's definitely a, a, an issue in the sense that it doesn't have any relevance or bearing on any other part of the episode. Um, and in some ways, the, like, there are certain aspects of this episode that uphold misogyny, like, you know, the general kissing his, his subordinate at the end or something like that. Mm. Or, like, the no, way- no, she kisses him. She kisses It's a whole thing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that those lines in the mouth of those aliens make sense. But but why does it make why does it make sense for a as they are described like a genderless race well, to have casual sex? I think this is the problem with the Sontarans in conception. It's just that they are like both genderless and also singularly male, and <laughs> yeah, uh, you know <laughs> that's a bit of a confused identity if you want to put a label on it. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's like when we talked about um, uh, with Gridlock, you know, and and my my sort of point in that one was, hey, if you're going to include casual homophobia in your fake alien future history storytelling, do something with that. Like, if if it's going to be there, I need you to be saying something with it. Mm. Um, and I I kind of feel that way about this here, where it's like this ostensibly genderless uh, alien race, which is already uh, making a commentary on the military. Sorry. Or a clone race as well. Oh, okay. Like, Maybe the original was just really hated women. Um, no. <laughs> um, it, it's just to include something like misogyny or homophobia or, or whatever it is in these, you know, fake scenarios and, and fake races and whatnot. Um, I, I just need that to be there for a reason. And I don't mm. feel like it's here for a reason in this because, you know, for everything that this episode does to kind of wink and nudge at the idea of slightly criticizing the, um, uh, let's say the kind of emotional makeup that makes a soldier and, and makes a man need to be that way and whatnot. Um, it also is enamored with shootouts mm. and, you know, bang bangs and jokes and, it just kind of ends up in a no man's land thematically, which like is, is fine. It doesn't, it doesn't need to necessarily say something, but mm. I think if you're going to explicitly include sexism, you probably should say something with that mm. because then it, I'm left at the end of it, kind of sitting there watching the credits roll. Like what, why did they hate women though? 
No, truly, truly. And, you know, it's not even something that's rebuked or, like, uh, you know, the Doctor doesn't, like, hear a comment like that and say, hmm, that's a bit off. Like, it's it's just an accepted part of the narrative that, you know, women are lesser. So I, I do I do see what you're yeah. saying. I do. Um, you know, it's 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 one thing though for like it they they are the villains, so hearing them say that is less problematic necessarily than, you know, if <laughs> Martha was suddenly like, Well, I don't think uh, I actually <laughs> have much of a place in this story because I'm a woman. Um <laughs> you know. Yeah, like we talked about this on the phone and like the example I used to you that I'm not going to use in its full language here. Um, but I'm kind of like, yeah, but they are like a, an evil alien race trying to murder the entire human population. It's the equivalent of like, if a Dalek called somebody the F word, it's like, why does this need to be here? You're already evil. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I don't know. I just like everything this episode, I kind of come away from it. Like, eh, well, that was certainly in the episode. <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. And that, I think that it's just like my overriding feeling about this is it's just an episode. It's just an episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. It, <laughs> maybe that's most, the most <laughs> profound thing I've ever said. Like, but it doesn't try to do anything other than tell a story about aliens invading Earth. And I think that's one of the more frustrating things about this episode because it, this comes from the pen of Helen Rayner who we really enjoyed their first story. We really enjoyed the ambitiousness of that first story. And I just, I Mm. can't help. And obviously this is pure speculation on my part, but I can't help but feel like she was heavily edited this time around because of the backlash that episode got from darker corners of the internet. And maybe not darker corners of the internet. It was probably more public, a public kind of acknowledgement that that episode had its failings, but unnecessarily piled on for that story. I just don't know why. Um, and so when it came to a second chance, I just, I really do get this sense that she would have been heavily hampered, hampered, like given a shopping list of things to write about. And there is such a shopping list here, like units on Tyrants, Martha's back. Like there is setting up stuff for the finale um which goes hand in hand with what you're saying here like it does feel like this episode was kind of noted into sludge um like oh but it needs to do this it needs to Mm. do this (laughs) like oh okay Mm. i think that's exactly it and i think that it makes for a very like like i said before like a tick the box off kind of episode like episode it it there isn't that spark of imagination that possibility of like stepping beyond the established thing that we know about these characters that was so good about the Dalek story you know oh wasn't that phenomenal I I think all the time about that scene of the two Daleks in the tunnels Hmm. uh where one of them like looks around suspiciously before talking to the other one and they're actually having a conversation oh Helen it was so good (laughs) it was good it was good maybe we should talk about that episode now yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe we should. Um, the other thing in this episode, uh, while we're on the topic of its its uh, themes and its its muddied kind of execution, um, there is a kind of half-hearted uh, global warming <laughs> pollution kind of uh, thing going on here. I mean, you call it the poison sky. It's 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 obviously very much there in the title, um, but. 
I don't know. It just kind of ends up again, falling a bit flat. Like it's like, Oh, you know, Oh, over-reliance on uh, automated technology is ultimately going to lead to the downfall of earth. And yeah. It's very like boomer kind of shakes his fist kind of thing. The two, the two things definitely get mixed, which is the like, yeah, technology is going to take over the world, but also, you know, silly humans for following this, but also the cars are, gosh yeah yeah it, yeah it, it just it just kind of limps across the finish line there's that that horrible horrible moment at the end with donna's mom where she's like oh well you wouldn't catch me in one of those things it's like oh we get it yeah she comes back You're into so the house and she's like oh there's kids on bikes it's wonderful and it's like oh oh, oh my god give me my yeah, iphone it's just kind of <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Um, it's. Oh, Do you know the know. worst bit? Do you know the worst <laughs> bit? The worst bit is when mm-hmm. they ign- the doctor ignites the atmosphere, and it doesn't singe a single one of them, even though they're all in the fucking gas. Yeah. Also, wouldn't there be like planes and stuff? In wouldn't the there sky? be planes in the sky? <laughs> we yeah. see that fireball like go over the top of New York and go through a building. It doesn't. Yeah, it's very confusing. Um, sorry, you just said when he like burns the sky, and it reminded me that there's a whole other character we haven't. Talked I know. About. I was just thinking that too. <laughs> um, and this does tie back into the sexism stuff because when we were talking about it, I was like, I feel like we're missing a core component of this argument, but I can't for the life of me remember what it was. Um, here it is. So, uh, there is a kind of Mark Zuckerberg esque uh, young genius kind of. Yeah, exactly. He's a, he's a young man. Um, he's got this kind of like camp for super smart people and he's working with the Sontarans to help them uh, cleanse the earth of human beings with the promise that he will get to take the, the brightest of humanity off to a colony where they will all mate. And, uh-huh. you know, it's it's very bleh. Um and I remember saying to you, why is this character not the one that you have, say, derogatory comments about women? Because then you are actively making a commentary on, you know, entitled young, uh, grew up on technology white men who do have this sort of innate hatred for women sometimes. There's a lot there mm. that they could really do. Um, but because, you know, the Sontarans are making the jokey jokes about women and the other guy is brandishing a gun at them saying, oh, we were going to breed on my new colony mm-hmm. or whatever it is it just all becomes very again very mixed and muddled when you know i think you and i both agree that there is a clear roadmap to a pretty decent story here it just ta- always takes a left when it should take a right <laughs> turn left um i know do you like i did one? i did i did um uh, yeah i think again like i'm just gonna come back to like it all works like making him a little guy who, like, is so pedantic about, like, uh, the Atmos system thing and, like, him, mm-hmm. like, being essentially a child and, like, stamping his feet and insisting he's clever. Like, it's it's totally the, like, the bullied growing up to become the bullier uh, yeah. thing. And it totally tracks with the Sontarans as well and their, like, little man complex. But this is the thing as well about the Sontarans is actually I don't think they have a little man complex. They don't have any kind of complexes because they're so they're clones you know they just exist to to perpetuate war they don't have personalities yeah if this character were to be like a human equivalent of the sontarans which i think they 
pretty much are. That's hmm. cool. It's it's yeah. it's just it's just and I'm just going to come back to it. It's just bland and it's not interesting and it's it doesn't do anything unexpected with that or it will mm. up until the moment where they that character spoiler self-sacrifices himself um yeah which i just yeah, don't that's buy that's a whole other part yeah it's just kind of like oh okay i i guess it it's not quite a i mean it is a hero moment but it's also not it's not celebrated, but it's also not lamented either. It's just, it, it just kind of passes by. Mm. Especially when it comes to, like, out of a scene of the Doctor, like, pretty much saying goodbye to his companions because he thinks he's going to kill himself. <laughs> yeah, that's a trope I wish would go away in Doctor oh, Who it... forever. Like, we all know he's not going to die. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And this is one of the things I really quite appreciated about, like, God, I can't believe I'm going back this far. But about the Chris Chris Freckleson season, when he wasn't him making these sacrifices, he was influencing other people to be better people. Yeah. That's what Doctor Who is. That's what could have defined this era. But then we got David Tennant, and we got this whole hero thing, and then we got things like this. I'm going off on a tangent, I know. It's been a long episode, and we've only been... It's probably one of our shortest yet. Um... I was going to say, we, this is not all that long at all. <laughs> just, I just don't have anything else to say, James. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. My beer is just about done. I need to go to bed. I've got school in the morning. So let's wrap this one up. What are you going to give the Sontarum Stratagem and the Poison Sky? This is the thing. I can't even give it like a D. It's not D. It's just C. It's C merging on a C minus. Yeah. I, I think it's a, it's a C plus. I, I think it's almost fine <laughs> um <laughs> but as, as it is it's just kind of like it's it's a couple of hours of doctor who and and not much else um yeah well this has been two hearts <laughs> <laughs> oh it certainly has been um next time we're going to be touching on the doctor's well- daughter which to be fair is at least going to be interesting to talk about. There is some stuff mm. in that episode. Not just the Doctor's Daughter, but we're also going to talk about one of my favourite episodes, even though you hate it, which is the Unicorn and the Wasp. <gasps> oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, I went to um, India in the 1960s <laughs> and I had sex with a wasp man. But it's all Spoilers. frightfully normal. <laughs> Oh, um, as always, thank you so much for joining us every week or every fortnight here, whatever, on, on Two Hearts Podcast. Um, again, if you would like to have your thoughts and feelings rather than the show, you can reach out and email us at twoheartspodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Two Hearts Pod, and that's the number two. Um, if you are listening on iTunes, we'd really appreciate if you could give us a like a nice rating, um, leave a review if you feel so inclined. It, it really helps us grow as a, as a podcast and it does make us feel good about ourselves this episode maybe not so much uh we're both pretty tired and not really into this one yeah i trust we have a we have a very good catalog we'll we'll give you a week (laughs) off you don't have to rate this one okay just (laughs) exactly yeah let's all just pretend this didn't happen um i've been james you can find me on twitter at omg more james and i've been callum you can find me on twitter and instagram at theatricallum
Outstanding. We will see you folks in ideally two weeks' time. <laughs> you never know with, uh, with us. With me being at school now. Well, exactly right. You do never know with us. But also now that I've started studying again, um, we've sort of both agreed that we will be consistently putting out these episodes. We're not going anywhere at all. We really love doing this. Um, but if it's three weeks, it's three weeks because, hey, that's life. We're adults. We've got shit going on. Uh, hopefully you've got stuff going on as well and we hope it's going well for you. Stay safe. Be kind to each other. And uh, we'll, we'll see you when we see you. Bye. Bye. Bye.